0: This is The Cable. How much retail ownership is in stock?
1: Tech story is front and centre. What
0: will this wind up doing to the cost curve? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action.
1: A significant sell-off in European assets. But
0: it feels like a lot of these stocks have already priced that in.
1: This is a stock that is increasingly being shorted. The Cable. With Guy
0: Johnson and Alex Steele. Behavioural challenges from the pandemic could linger for years. On Bloomberg Radio.
1: Good evening. Welcome. You're listening to the Cable. We're live on DAB digital radio. I'm Guy Johnson. 5 p.m. in the city of London. The weekend is almost upon it, and it can't uh, upon us, and it can't come fast enough. Um, I'm Guy Johnson in London, alongside, of course, Alex Steele over in New York. I'm struggling to draw breath after what has been an incredible Ooh. week, Alex, and the UK's fiscal events. Just the icing on the cake.
0: I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. This was an unbelievable week. And this is an unbelievable day, Guy. This is just one headline that just crossed the terminal. And this will sort of set us up for this conversation. Traders are now wagering a 50% odds on a 125 basis point BOE hike in November. That is what has happened with this mini, I'm going to just scrap the word mini, fiscal package uh, from the UK government. And that was just the top of a very tumultuous week. And we're approaching June lows here in the US in equities.
1: Absolutely. We're nearly there. The, the stock 600 here in Europe is back in a bear market. I, we we retook the uh, the lows of the year uh, earlier on in the week through 400. The British pound has absolutely cratered today, uh, down by over three percent. The UK five year, as you say, uh, we're seeing some real rates action. It is up by 50 basis points. That's quite a move. Like I, I, I it's it's hard to put it into context really um, because I I can't remember seeing these kinds of moves in rates. Uh, And and I think you've got to go back to to sort of Barber and that kind of era to see this kind of a fiscal package having this kind of an impact. Um, Elsewhere, European currencies have been battered like broadly across the piece, Norwegian kroner, Swedish kroner, down really sharply. The euro has been under significant pressure today. As you say, the the S&P is trading at uh, 36.81. We are nearly there, Mm -hmm. Alex, Mm -hmm. in terms of the year lows. And I can't believe you haven't talked about crude. WTI crude off by 6%, Brent crude off by 5%.
0: I mean, that just feels like, you know, oh, right, and by the way, I mean, commodities are really getting taken down hard. And it's not just crude, you're looking at nickel uh, off by 5%, copper off by 3 and that's really a strong dollar story. I just think it's a complete reshuffle where you have money going into cash, period. Maybe dipping your toe into the back end of the treasury market, but that's where we're going. What I'm curious, I don't know if we know this yet, but are we seeing margin calls? Are we at the situation where we're selling things that performed well to cover losses elsewhere? Or is this purely just you know rejiggering stuff?
1: Um, I don't know if we're there yet. I look at the Vix story; doesn't seem to tell me. I don't me think at the we're moment. there yet. But this no. is
0: when we start to start talking about that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, we can start talking about talking about it. Um, let's talk about let's talk about what happened here in the UK today, in maybe a little bit more detail. Um, we thought we knew what was going to be in this fiscal package. Um, I remember being asked, la- asked last week, which I thought would be the more interesting of the two events this week, the Bank of England or, or the uh, the fiscal event uh, that we got today. Uh, and I was kind of hedging my bets a little bit. I probably sided with the Bank of England a little bit. How wrong was I? Because today absolutely blew expectations out of the water. The Chancellor out with some very confident moves, some very bold moves. Um, a lot of people are talking about him gambling uh, with the inflation picture here in the UK. Now, let's let's give you some of the edited highlights from his speech in the House of Commons a little earlier. I'm going to abolish it altogether.
2: From April the 23rd, we will
1: have a, high, a single higher rate of income tax of 40%. We will cut the basic rate of income tax to 19 pence in April 2023, one year earlier. Next year's planned increase in corporation tax will be cancelled.
3: The corporation tax rate
1: will not rise to 25%. It will remain at 19%. We are cutting stamp duty. All the bonus cap did was to push up the basic salaries of bankers or drive activity outside Europe. We are going to get rid of it. Kwarteng, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, making waves in the House of Commons and even bigger waves in financial markets. How should we be reacting and thinking about what we got today? How big a risk is it? How big a gamble is it? Uh, They are certainly pushing for growth, the new trust government. Is it going to be something that we see fulfilled and how quickly can that come? Well, let's talk about it. Blueberg's David Goodman joins us now from Blueberg Economics. Uh, we're also joined here in the studio uh, by Simon White from our M Live Markets blog. David, let me start start with you. Your reaction to what we got today and the market reaction to what we got today.
4: Wow, it was quite something really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of what we got today, it's funny. You, you went through that list of, of stuff you did and we heard him saying it there. Almost all of that we knew. Like going into the budget a lot of this stuff was all, all flat top rate of tax top rate of tax was the surprise that's going to be about two billion a year i mean it's the tone of it which i think is really speak markets like a completely mm-hmm. all in all in relentless focus on growth No, even a nod to revenue raising things that 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 was out the window there was no kind of talk about that you didn't have the obr There was no real talk about how you pay for it yeah. and it's just i mean but the after that the market reaction was just crazy i mean you some of those numbers you were saying, you just can't—you re- can't remember seeing anything like it, particularly after a fiscal event like maybe yeah. mm-hmm. Brexit sparked obviously bigger falls, but that was obviously a one massive risk event. This is just—it's—it's it's not even a budget; it's no, just it's, a fiscal also I that,
0: Like a mini fiscal event. Like what? What in that was mini? i'm honestly, um, Simon. First of all, uh, I read your stuff every day, and I'm so thrilled that you're on this program. I cannot thank you enough. I feel like we're joined by a celebrity to some extent. No offense, David, but this is the first time I'm talking to Simon. Um. <laughs> What's your what's your t- So, I read note after note about how now the UK is behaving like an emerging market. What was your take?
5: I, I mean, I was gobsmacked. I mean, it was kind of pouring petrol in the fire. The UK already had kind of huge problems. I mean, they've been running that current account deficit for years. And the thing is, when in a sort of normal world that we're kind of used to, especially when you had like a nice trading relationship with the EU and you had kind of steady growth and low inflation, that stuff works but we're moving to like a, a sort of definancialized deglobalized ro- resource constrained you know world economy and the uk all the you know the times of plenty are having to be paid for now and the, and, and essentially the wheels are coming off that is what we're that's what we're kind of witnessing today
1: how the the wheels are coming off i the bank of england is now prices alex I, I, the last i saw was was 100 basis points at the next meeting 125 now, was it? Is that what you just said?
0: Yeah, 50% I, chance of 125. Simon, is the, does the, it, Simon, is the market being rational
1: that? here?
5: Well, they, I, yeah, I mean, look, the Bank of England said yesterday, obviously before this mini quote-unquote fiscal event, that you know even with the energy cap, they see that as not changing medium-term inflation expectations, right? Because they're looking at core inflation. So if household spending goes up, you know, that's going to add to sort of spending pressures in, in the core part of CPI. Uh, and also, maybe they didn't say it, but they know the government's planning this huge kind of fiscal splurge. And that's going to, you know, increase longer term inflation expectations. So, yeah, OK, under the radar, they're probably worried about their independence. I mean, Liz Truss mm-hmm. and that administration has made quite a few comments about that. But on the other hand, you know, what can they do? I mean, I, I, I you know, Bailey gets a lot of um, criticism, but... I don't think a, a sort of central bank in the developed world has ever been in such a, a difficult position, and I don't think it will be the last either.
0: David, what do you think the BOE is going to have to do now? Like, they can't like that headline in one twenty-five.
4: They can't, no. And I think after yesterday, when we when we came out of the of the bank, we we thought that seventy-five was pretty firmly on the table for November anyway. You, some of the language they use around demand in terms of that impact on inflation expectations was quite strong. We haven't seen that from them before saying they're actively looking for demand. And this is entirely what they're worried about, I think, like this, this, this fiscal statement, pushing up demand and, and leading to um, yeah higher expectations. I think what we're seeing today is kind of crazy. And I think that, I mean, the BOE took so much convincing to do 50 in the first place yeah, like the idea that they're going to jump to 125 is is quite difficult, and maybe when we come back next week, we might see some moderation there because calmer heads might prevail. But yeah, it's how inflationary will this package be? Well, they're gonna. I think what what the, what the Biot said they're gonna they're gonna look at this in in the round in, in November, and they're gonna look at that. I mean. Obviously, it's really hard to put a number in it. <laughs> more inflationary, though. This is yeah. This is, think, to, to, to Simon's point, this is fuel on the fire. Yeah, it's gonna. If you're boosting demand at this kind of point, you are gonna get more inflation. Yeah, but they're hoping mm-hmm. that the kind of the growth element of that of what will happen will outweigh will that, that, I suppose.
0: Hey Simon, um, Paul McNamara um, uh, has a couple quotes in an article, and he's an EM guy. And he was talking about the UK. He said the UK has a very strong external investment position. There is a lot of UK money abroad, which has been known to come back when UK assets are a bargain. Is this time different? Like, what's the conversation?
5: Well, I think that's what, you know, cable, you know, that's what is trying to find a level where that makes sense, right? Where it makes the longer term uh, return on UK assets begin to look profitable, taking account of all these extra risks. So, yeah, at some point, you know, I mean, if cable's down at parity, which I think options are now priced in almost like a one in five chance um, by the end of the year. And that, by the way, only a few months ago, that was over one in a hundred. And last year, you're looking at one in a thousand. So this is really kind of extraordinary how fast things have fallen for the UK. But but in some sense, it shouldn't really be a surprise. Because, as I say, the kind of structural um, vulnerabilities that the UK had have been there for years, years and years and years.
1: Simon, is there any... Is there any positives we can put around what Kwarteng did today? He is he is being bold. I, the, the, our understanding is that he's kind of walked into the Treasury. He's super confident. He's like, you guys have got to stop thinking in the way that you're thinking. We need to deliver growth here. We need to unshackle this economy. We need to deliver supply side reform. We need to t- cut taxes. We need to drivel, d- deliver trickle down economy sort of economics. Are we being over, over hasty to to criticise him for what he's done today? Is there a possibility that this works?
5: There's always a possibility. But history tells you that the situation that we're in, it's, it's very high risk. I mean, oh, great. OK, say, you're, say you earn money in dollars in the UK. You're like a banker. Yep. You're having a great day, right? Say that you are about to buy a house. Your stamp duty's just been um, taken yep. down. Fantastic. You're a top-rate taxpayer. You know, great, you're, you're, you're having a great time. But for most other people, I can't see, apart from the fact they're just not going to get poorer, they're not going to get any wealthier. Mm-hmm. And, and, and none of this stuff, it's kind of low multiple uh, tax cuts. You know, and There's nothing here about longer term investment, really. It's going to make a big difference. It's certainly not going to be inflation reducing in the longer term.
0: Well, John Authors, David, was writing about this in terms of what Uh, Reagan did back in the 80s, what Reaganomics did. right? He went after unions, he helped productivity, and he helped boost investment um, in the U.S. And that really helped to offset all the hikes that the Fed was doing to tame inflation. Um, Are these three things something that the U.K. government is doing through this in some capacity or trying to?
4: I don't think to the same extent. I saw some, I think there was You guys are laughing. I wish you could see the look on David's face. I, I wish we
1: do this on television because uh, there was a moment where he just kind of pulled a slightly kind of like uh,
4: face and, yeah. and then answered the question. There was a quote going around earlier that it was something like, this is Reagan without the dollar. And I mean, yeah. that's that's true. I think the other thing about this is like the market, Meltdown, is now the headline. Like whatever Kwantung might want and all these measures he's introduced, like every front page tomorrow is going to probably have the meltdown as the kind of, yep. if not front and center, at least the kind of key theme of this. And obviously, that's your, your first real big test as Chancellor. And that's the, those are the headlines. That's, that's pretty messy. What do you think about that, Simon?
1: I, if you look at what is being tried here, it, there are there are there is an analog to to, to what Thatcher did and what um, and what Reagan tried in the United States what's the missing ingredient that means that it's going to be tougher to achieve this time round?
5: You know, as David said that the currency, for one, uh, it makes a big difference when you have the world reserve currency um, at your backing. Um, but look, I mean, the UK is, as I say, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it was in a very different position. Uh, now, all the things that made the UK rich over the last 20, 30 years, export-orientated, uh, financialization, Globalisation are all in reverse, and the UK once again is at the sharp end uh, of all that sort of stuff, and that, that's why that's why we're seeing this this repricing.
0: Yep. Um, forty eight hours we get a piece until markets reopen again. What can we realistically expect over the next like two days, David? Like, what's the spin gonna look like, and sort of the tone that will be set for Monday for Sunday night?
4: That's a good question. I mean, I think obviously that. It, it gives a bit of breathing space. I mean, normally fiscal statements happen not on a Friday morning; they are often happen on kind of Tuesday or Wednesday. So, yep. if that had been a normal one, then we, this might have carried on and, and snowballed. At least, I suppose, that the positive uh, the government is there is that kind of stop now. People can have a breathe over the weekend and then and then see where it goes from there. But I mean, yeah, it's going to be not going to be very nice headlines either about the marketing yep. or about the distributional impact.
1: Simon, so, mean, how far away is was this the crisis, or do you think this is just the warm up to the crisis? I,
5: Really difficult to tell, but as I say right now, Sterling's trying to find a level where it makes UK assets worthwhile buys again. Um, and I'm not sure we've found it yet.
0: Man, this is a Excellent. really depressing the, way cheery, to go out. Cheery, yeah. Definitely <laughs> cheery <laughs> starts at the weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Pub time. The pubs,
3: the pubs
1: are open, yes. folks, if, you mm-hmm. are, uh, if you're if if you're, looking for solace. Maybe maybe that is the option on Friday night, though I have to say. A lot of people not in London today, judging by my train this morning. Maybe they made the right choice. Uh, guys, thank you very much indeed. I'm White David Goodman. Really appreciate it. We're going to talk about the politics of all of this next. Teresa Raphael has just sat down next to me. We'll get her take on what we saw today uh, from the Liz Trust government in the form of Kwasi Kwarteng's, um fiscal events. I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. Mini budget really doesn't capture it. Fiscal explosion? You very much indeed fiscal uh, explosion? Possibly. Possibly. This is Bloomberg.
2: This is The Cable with Guy Johnson and Alex Steele on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Good evening. Welcome back. You're listening to The Cable live on DAB Digital Radio. Um, We've talked about the market reaction, the economic reaction to what we've got today from Kwasi Kwasang, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, Sat behind him, of course, the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, uh, throughout the entire event. We've seen a subsequent... Big, vicious, nasty market reaction to what we got here. Therese Raphael, as ever, is the person to turn to from Bloomberg Opinion to get a kind of feel of what is happening here. Therese, um, it was bold. Was it bold enough?
3: Yeah, I think Trust came at this from the point of view that she has very little time to make an impact. She couldn't go in and just sort of tinker around. You know, we're going to get an election probably within two years. She has. She, you know, she has a support of her backbench MPs ish at the moment, right? I mean, she they were not she was not their first choice as prime minister, um, so she's got this. She, she's got to front load whatever she's going to do, and you know, and and so she came in quite hard. I don't think it's bold enough, actually. I mean, I think she's she's getting heavy criticism on two levels. On one, um, you know, we're hearing from charities, from the Labour Party, from many that it's that it's an unfair mm-hmm. uh, set. Of policies because it disproportionately benefits the wealthy. I think she's relaxed about that because her view is uh, that, you know voters are aspirational, that the voters in the north of the country will come back if their lives feel better, even if wealthier yeah. households are better off. So I think she's going to be relaxed about that. But the other criticism is that it's economically illiterate, that it, that, that the markets aren't going to wear it. And that's what we saw in the reaction today. Mm-hmm. And the only how is she going to counter that? She, she needs reforms that deliver the economic growth that she's promising. And you know, it, I didn't see enough there to to really suggest that she's going to get that 2.5%. So
0: when you say gold, she, she could have been bolder, do you mean like bolder prescription to get to that 2.5% growth? Like is that what you kind of needed and wanted to see?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the tax cuts were no question. Those were, you know, very um, – those were meaningful tax cuts. Uh, I mean, what they haven't done is discuss really the NHS. It's a massive – public expenditure. It's only going to get bigger. I don't think you can do sort of radical supply-side, Reaganite-type reforms in this country with a, um, a health system that's fully taxpayer-funded on the footing that it's on now. So, there I mean, there are many universal... Uh, health models—you don't have to go sort of fully to the U.S., but there needs to be some discussion of how do you how do you fund the healthcare system? We're looking at backlogs of 6.7 million people. Uh, we're missing our cancer targets. We have—you uh, know—ambulance wait times are higher. There's a massive workforce shortage. Social care remains hugely fragmented, underfunded. All of those things. Will need to be done by this government. There's also a promise, obviously, to increase defense spending. So how do you, you know, how do you get to that two and a half percent growth without tackling these really big hard reform issues? Yep. I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of what she's doing that's that that is. You know, there's a lot to be recommended. I mean, planning reform uh, uh, changes will be useful. The enterprise zones are probably more gimmicky than they are massively helpful. Um, They tend to displace labor from one area to another. They tend to attract some low-skilled labor, but they don't make a massive material difference to economic growth. So, you know, again, it just comes down to, yes, the tax cuts you know, can motivate some people to work more, they can motivate some businesses to invest, but you know, we still have fairly ungenerous allowances for businesses and investment That's levels that are chronically low. So I would want to see something that is a lot more radical before I really believe that that kind of growth is in the offing.
1: If I'm a business and I want to invest, my cost of capital just went through the roof. If I am a government that wants to build things, the cost of capital, the cost of funding those things just went through the roof. We have shortages of stuff and the stuff is getting more expensive because the pound is going down and there is a shortage of labour in order to build and manufacture the stuff. How do we get growth when we have those structural problems that, that are getting worse by the minute?
3: I mean, so the the government would say that a lot of those factors that are driving up costs are exogenous, and that you know they, they they're, but they're, they're still not, real, but they're still real, and that it's you know the Bank of England will, um, you know, bring down inflation. They will also point to the fact that gas prices are declining a bit. They, you know, their hope is that we see a peak to these to the inflation. And that that comes. And I mean, that that's that's hope. it could go the other way. We just don't know. This is these are unfunded liabilities as well. Yep. Um, one thing they could do. And, you know, I I would argue strongly that they should do is um, open the doors to more labor from abroad. And that's, that's the whole point of Brexit. That, well, it, it was a part of why people voted for Brexit, it for big, sure. Yeah. But opinion on immigration has really softened since then. They're, you know the people don't feel as strongly uh, you know as they did at that time. And we've never had a government that has really made the supply side case for immigration. Mm-hmm. They haven't you know look it, the... it's a really hard political sell. I'm not saying Liz Truss is the one to do it, but if they want to get the growth, they've got to find some ways as you say to make it easier for businesses to invest, to help them find the labor, to bring you know bring down some of those those costs. And there are probably things they've left on the table, such as immigration, such as, um, you know, mm-hmm. probably allowances um, for investment. Um, but yeah. Yeah, sure, the cost of capital is a big one.
0: Um, in the meantime, um, does Liz Truss get her two years? Will she have to call early elections? Is this like a, a win for the Labour Party?
3: Well, there's nothing that's going to force her to call early elections... Um, and I don't think she'd want to call elections before her reforms, if you could call it that, her tax cuts have a chance of, uh, you know, seeing if she has a chance to see if they'll work. She'll want to go to the polls once she has something to show for it. Um, the question of whether Liz Truss gets to stay as prime minister, well, you know, we, we've we've now seen uh, the, the Tories dump Boris Johnson just recently. Will they want another um, you know, another leadership contest before the, the next election? I, I highly doubt it. I, I think they're going to have to stick with her. So they're going to need some of this to work. And I think that's going to be the really interesting thing in the weeks to come. How, you know, how far do, does her backbench go to back her as the markets uh, have the kind of reaction we're seeing? Um, will they? Yep. Will she backtrack? Will she hold this line?
1: Therese, thank you very much indeed. It's going to be a fascinating story to watch unwind. Um, Deutsche Bank's George Saravella calling for an emergency and large Bank of England hike. We'll see whether that turns out to be the case. This is Bloomberg.
6: This
2: is The Cable with Guy Johnson and Alex Steele on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good evening. You're listening to The Cable on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio. I'm Alex Steele in New York. Guy Johnson over in London. So European markets close Selling pressure then intensifies in the U.S., and we have now done it. We've broken below the June lows. We're at three six 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 five now on the S&P. We haven't seen this kind of low since December of 2020. I mean... Yeah, it's going to be hard to understand how to catch a falling knife at this point and what's going to actually stop the selling pressure here. Um, I mean, you saw Goldman downgrade their forecast for the S&P this year to 3,600. That doesn't seem that crazy or that far off. Um, Guy, I feel like we've been waiting for this all day, and it felt yep. inevitable, and now it's happened.
1: I mean, Yeah, I've been waiting for it all week. You just You think about the context, and we talked about this at the top of the show, what we've seen this week. Fed out, 75, hawkish, sounding really hawkish in the press conference as well, uh, Mr Powell. You've got uh, other central banks out there raising rates aggressively. Bank of England raising 50 basis points seems relatively muted now. But a whole raft Mm -hmm. of central banks out there raising rates. Um, You saw the Rix Bank raising by 100 basis points. You've got Vladimir Putin threatening nuclear war. He's calling up reservists. Um, that, That is a huge conflict that is still raging. Incidentally, COVID numbers are picking up as well. Just pay attention to that in the in the background to what is happening here. The BOJ is intervening into the markets to try and prop up the yen,
0: which is doing no th- good. But yes, mm-hmm. that's enough to keep
1: that's enough to keep us going for yeah. a month.
0: And let me just point out in terms out, of news flow. Let me just point out here: we've seen a thirty-nine basis point move at some point just this week alone in the two-year. Yeah, So nine. there's a
1: great function. So there's a great function on the, on the Bloomberg. Let me just try and get So it's a GMM function. You can do a drop down uh, in terms of uh, a custom date and time uh, to give you an idea of, of what is happening here. So we can, we, can, we can do that today. Let's start off at the beginning of the week just to give you an idea of where we've come throughout that, just to give you an idea of some of the moves. So the UK two-year is up 80 basis points. No, no, no. The U.K. 5 year up by 93 basis Jeez. points this week. Mm-hmm. 96, 93 basis points. Um, WTI crude is down by 8.5%. The s and is down by 5.38%. Like, on average, equity markets are down by, let's call it, circa 5%. The Swedish krona is down by 5%. The British pound against the dollar is down by 4.5%. I, it, I could just go on you and can. on and on. The numbers are mm-hmm. eye-watering.
0: Um, l- let's go on though, but with Cameron. Uh, Cameron Price okay. joins us. Um, he writes for AM Live. Uh, he does some great analysis. He's also been a trader. He knows the market. Cameron, have you ever seen a day like today before, <laughs> or a week like this?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> I was at a hedge fund in 2008, so yes. Fair um, enough. But it's uh, it's it, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I'm going to try to uh, maintain family friendly language throughout the course of this interview because it's. Uh, Non, non-parliamentary language is, uh, is kind of the most apt description for a lot of what we're seeing out there.
1: It, it, this is comparable, right? So you talk about 2008. I, different, different reasons, different causes, different it, reactions in different places. But it feels it, like it's warming up.
6: Well, kind of. Um, 2008 was about uh, a systemic problem of the financial system not working. Um, this isn't that. I don't think it's really approaching that yet. What this about? What this is about is collectively um, the bill coming due for a colossal policy error, and in the case of the U.K., arguably, uh, a compounding of that policy error in sort of real time.
0: So it, it, if 2008 was like an economic excess being wrung out, and this is a financial excess being wrung out, what is the next – what does the next stage look like?
6: Well, I, I, would, I would say those two are reversed. I would say 2008 was about financial market access being run out. Um, and uh, what, we've, what we're seeing now is the collective um, ringing out of stimulus uh, broadly over yeah. the last dozen years, but more specifically post-COVID. Uh, and mm-hmm. central banks were very dilatory. Uh, as we, as I, uh, and, and, and I'm sure others have discussed on this very program over the course of the last sort of 18 months, in recognizing uh, the impact of the, the twin impact of expansive fiscal policy and accommodative monetary policy, uh, left rates too low for too long, and um, now, 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 kind of the bill is coming due. Um, what comes next? Well, the, I mean, the the real issue. Uh, there's two two potential two potential uh, evolutions. Uh, one is a fracturing of the financial system, i.e., the financial system ceases to function. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that is a base case. Um, it's certainly possible in some quarters. I mean, crypto being an obvious an obvious candidate um, because that's an undeveloped market. Um, But, you know, it is possible to have markets go down a lot and still function. I mean, we saw that in in sort of the aftermath of of the dot-com bubble. Um, So, I think the more likely candidate is, uh, you know, an economic downturn, uh, where, you know, sort of the the lagged impact of all this monetary tightening and the tightening of financial conditions hits the the economy. Um, For now, the U.S. economy, at least, seems to be hanging in there. But I don't think that is a permanent um, going to be a permanent state of affairs.
1: Do we have an idea yet, Cameron, of the scale of the potential unwind? Like, I remember um, uh, we went into the pandemic with the S and P at kind of thirty three eighty, which is still significantly is, below way, where that we, that we are that now. Was,
6: that was that and, was elevated. That, and that was, f- I was, I was about to say. very rich,
1: right? and that felt frothy at that point. We are now we are now we're still way beyond that. Can we get our arms around an understanding of what this cumulative tightening that you're talking about, and we're talking about rates going up, we're talking about removal of liquidity in the form of QT, which is going to be really starting to kick in soon. I, it, it, do we Can can, can we quantify, can, is it possible to think about the downside here about how low we could go?
6: I mean, obviously it's possible. Okay, um, it's possible
1: to think about the downside. Is it possible to think about the uh, uh, I, I, in a kind of structured way, in a, in a quantitative way?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, we'll think of it this way. Just think in terms... I mean, I like to, I like to dig into the numbers and get very weedy, but uh, that's difficult to explain on the radio in a short pit. So uh, let's just think of it in terms of P-E ratio, right? Uh, if during the COVID stimulus love-in, uh, the forward-looking P-E ratio, the S&P, and, 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 and other indices around the world... Uh, uh traded north of 20 um, at the nadir of the financial crisis uh, and throughout much of the inflationary episode uh, of the volcker years those Ford P's were single digits um, I think we're when, the last time I looked at this uh, and I'm yep. sort of doing a mental adjustment because I don't have the number I don't have the spreadsheet in front mm-hmm. of me I would say we're probably about 15 16 now um, Right. So um, so let's, let's say that S&P earnings, I mean, I think they're forecast over the next 12 months to be 237. But, you know, those forecasts, you can, you know, they're not terribly useful because they're, you know, they're kind of forecast using the rearview mirror. So let's say that there's an earnings recession and earnings are, uh, we'll just say 200 um, for the S&P. Well, then it mm-hmm. becomes very easy. You slap a 15 P/E ratio on, on on earnings of 200 well, that gets you an S&P of 3,000, right? You mm-hmm. slap a P/E ratio of 12 on earnings of 200, you get a P ratio or you get a price of 2,400. Um, and so you can play with your earnings estimate uh, and your and your multiple yeah. uh, to to kind of figure out what you think is a reasonable, um, you know, a reasonable price target. Yeah. For,
1: just, for the just, S&P. And That's how yeah. I would think of it. Just for context, before Alex jumps in, we're trading at 36.67. So 2,400 is a long way down from where we are now. Sorry, Alex.
0: No, no, I was just going to say that, I mean, it, it feels though the difference on the economy level, and I hear you that the economic data that we've seen may not hold up in the same way, and this is where it feels like we're different than 2008. Because consumers are in a lot better shape, the housing market is in better shape, and banks are in better shape. And I think that that's what I meant about the economic excess that was kind of wrung out. We don't have that problem this time. So is there a way forward where we just see a huge re-rating of earnings and like the S&P, etc., that doesn't wreck the economy?
6: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible to have the market sell-off and and the economy enters some sort of recession that actually isn't, isn't that bad, right? I mean, it's, you're absolutely right that uh, household debt and is, is household balance sheets are in much better shape than they were in, in 2007, 2008. Uh, that being said, obviously inflation has delivered a bigger hit to real incomes than we had back then, although inflation was a bit of an issue in the summer of 2008 when yeah, when oil prices went above 100 for the first time, um, mm, true. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that being said, corporate balance sheets are, are I think, in worse shape. Uh, if you look at things like non-financial corporate debt as a percentage of GDP, it's much worse now than it was in the run-up to the financial crisis. Now, granted, there isn't quite the same mountain of – you know shall we say st- structured product bleep yeah. <laughs> out sure. there that that there, that there was back then um, but that's again that's why I would argue that there's less systemic financial risk now than there was in in you know in 2008 um, but that doesn't preclude uh, an economic hit right I mean if you if you're a company, uh, you know, corporations are a bit like UK consumers in, in, in that they can fix uh, their liabilities for some indeterminate period of time. But when that period of time expires, then they've got to roll over those liabilities. Uh, and guess what? The rate at which you roll over those liabilities is going to be a hell of a lot higher now than it yep. was two, three, four years ago. Um, you know, think of the think of the impact on. Um, I read a stat that. I think 40% of the stock of UK mortgages are going to reset between now and the end of next year. That's going to be ugly. Oh my God! Um, yeah. There's yeah. there's going to be a lot of corporate debt in the U.S. that ma- that matures or needs to be rolled um, over the next you know year or two. Um, that's not going to be a very pleasant process. And as financing costs rise, that obviously becomes problematic for uh, you know your median company, you know, your, you know, your mega tech companies, yeah, they're seeing their multiples fall, and that's justified. But obviously, they're not gonna run out of money.
1: No, but, and they'd be raising, they'd be raising debt to, to do buybacks and dividends. Cameron, you, you bring up the issue of the UK. So let's talk about it a little a massive market reaction today. Is that an overreaction? Is that an understandable reaction? How are you thinking about it?
6: Um, it's, it's, it's understandable. i mean, obviously it's exacerbated by poor liquidity. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's it's the, it's not the right solution to the problems the country's facing, right? I, it, it 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 looks like an ideological solution. I excuse me, ideological solution uh, rather than a uh, a targeted solution, you know, in, in the sense of if you think that stamp duty is wrong and you think that the forty five percent tax um, ban is wrong then you, know, you, think that you think getting rid of those is a solution to every problem. The problem uh, specifically now is obviously that households are facing a massive negative income shock, uh, and the multiplier effect in terms of uh, getting money into the hands of people who need it by cutting the top rate of tax or cutting stamp duty is minimal,
3: mm-hmm.
6: right? And at the same time, uh, you're you're weakening the balance sheet of of the government, um, and so we've seen the bond van, bond vigilantes rise from the dead, uh, and these spectacular moves you know 50 basis points mm-hmm. on on five year gilts, 40 some odd basis points on two year gilts, 30 basis points on plus on on ten year gilts. Um, now think of you know most you know going back to to mortgages most. Um, uh, you know, a lot, you know, the the substantial number of mortgages that are, you know, trackers or standard variable, uh, although there's, if you have a standard variable mortgage, you should go see a shrink because you're crazy, right? But uh, a lot of these mortgages are are two-year or or five-year fixed. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as those roll off, and these are the mortgages that are going to need to be reset by the end of next year. Well, a 40 basis point move on a two-year gilt or a 50 basis point move on a on a on a five year guild, What do you think that's going to do to mortgage rates? Yeah, it, it ain't keeping them
0: steady. No, you best be hoping that then there's cutting from the BOE before you have to do that. I just I can't imagine anything but a 30 year fix makes me anxious in a very very big way. Um, Cameron, we got to leave it there, but we really appreciate your time today on this really really important day. I should point out we're at 108 now. For the cable rate, 108. Okay, thanks a lot, Cameron. Have a good weekend. Uh, Looking forward to reading your column. Uh, Coming up, oh, by the way, there's an election in Italy that could see the center right take control. There's that political risk as well that we have to worry about. We'll discuss that. This is Bloomberg.
2: This is The Cable with Guy Johnson and Alex Steele on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Good evening, welcome back. 48 minutes past the hour. Giorgia Maloney is a 45-year-old firebrand with little experience in government, yet she is widely expected to become Italy's first female leader. We have elections Sunday that are likely to deliver a strong majority to a coalition of right-wing parties. Chiara Albanese joins us now to discuss. Chiara... Talk us through what Italy is looking like going into this election. Um, We are expecting that uh, Giorgia Maloney will win. What do we know about her?
2: Well, um, we know that she has uh, far right ideas, but she has been trying to reassure markets, investors, even voters. That she has changed from when, at 15 years of uh, age, she joined a post fascist party. Um, about her, we know a lot. We know she um, enjoys singing. She is surrounded by the same group of uh, loyal friends and political allies. She's, she's like a, a strong opposition against uh, Russia, and she has backed. Maria Draghi's policies on Ukraine, but we also know that she has very little experience in power. She's never been in a government. She only had the short, brief experience as junior minister uh, about 10 years ago. So um, it is a big question mark what to expect if she will become prime minister.
0: So let's just say that then she does, right? The the rhetoric that I my takeaway here in the US is oh center right it's going to push more to the right there's a potential to have a real coalition that could cause some real friction between Italy and the rest of Europe. Is that true? Well, um partially
2: yes. Um I think we should uh, not um, take it to the extreme in the sense that Italy is uh, Europe's third biggest economy its belonging in the EU is not under question. Um, And it is also very constrained in the relations it has with the EU. And Meloni has said, well, we're not going to question that. But definitely the tone is going to change a lot uh, compared to when Mario Draghi uh, was Prime Minister, uh, Meloni has said that Italy should matter more. Um, her, its voice, the voice of the country, should be heard more. Um, she wants to fine tune the spending plan for over 200 billion of uh, recovery funds. So we should yeah. expect the relations to change a bit. The,
1: the EU is a little ticked off with Viktor Orban of Hungary at the moment. In fact, the European Commission is suggesting a, uh, a significant withholding of funds. Georgia Maloney looks at Viktor Orban and she sees something that she likes. How is Brussels going to deal with a government that is on that side of the fence?
2: That's a great question. And Orban and the relationship in Orbán and Meloni, that are definitely good, is one of those areas in which she has been twofolded, and everyone really is left guessing on how she will tackle that. So she has said that Orbán is wrong in this specific instance, but her party brothers of Italy um, voted against sanctioning uh, Hungary in uh, in the latest vote that we had in the European Parliament um, a few days back. So um, definitely, uh, she will like wing to to Western to Eastern Europe. And this is going to be a point of friction as well.
0: Five year BTPs are up 20 basis points today. How much of that is just following guilt yields higher? And how much uh, political risk right now is priced in?
2: So, um, political risk is quite pressing. I mean, investors that we've been talking to, they just say, oh, look, uh, we we know what to expect. Now, um, what we know is that markets are really fast in responding to Italian political events. So, um, if there will be a big surprise, we should definitely expect a reaction. And that could definitely be linked to the size and scope of a right-wing victory. if they win big or if they lose uh, more than expected, well, then we should wake up Monday with definitely uh, a big move in the market.
0: Excellent. Just what we wanted, right, Guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, because what we need right now is more market, is turmoil. Is mm-hmm. more market turmoil. Um <laughs> It's, it's been a little bit of a busy day. Kiara, thank you very much indeed. We greatly appreciate your time setting us up uh, for the Italian election this weekend. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things going on on Monday morning, one of which is certainly going to be uh, a continued um, focus on what is happening with Italy, which in some ways has been kind of left out of the spotlight today, Alex, mm-hmm. by by events here in the UK. Uh,
0: yes. Yes. Also, it really depends on where we close here in the US. Clearly, nowhere near the destruction that we saw in the U.K., but you get a significant bl- close below that June low, and you're going to see some real shaken-out of positions um, at some point. Also, I should point out, the top red Ar- bl- Bloomberg article on the terminal right now is a downgrade wave seen coming for U.S. high-grade corporate bonds. And I point this out because corporate bonds and emerging market debt have not seen the same kind of stressors that other asset classes have seen. And that's kind of been like we're waiting for that. Do we finally get that?
1: I don't know. That's kind of what Karen was alluding to. I, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, there's plenty of more shoes to drop here potentially. Um, generally, these things ripple, don't they? And you start to see these things rippling out into the into the other areas of the economy. Mm-hmm. One of the things we learned in 2008 was just how connected the financial system is.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but you know we don't have the same kind of liquidity problems in the same way. The systemic risk is different. But you know what each crisis creates yet. another crisis. That, don't, you that's don't the thing. you
1: don't know that yet. There's been there's been so much debt taken on the shadow um, banking system. There's been there's been so much liquidity pumped into the system that is now being pulled out. Uh, you you don't know yet. Who's swimming naked.
0: What we do know is that usually where the crisis was the last time is not where the crisis is exactly. this time. Because by exactly. by focusing on what it was, you forget and leave a hole open for what it will be. Yeah. Um, and
1: Jamie Dyne was talking about that this week. He said we, the banking system's got too much liqui- too much um, liquidity at the moment. I think it's too early to tell that.
0: But, but his point was that, look, you guys got to look at the shadow banking system because that's where the risk is. Um, yep. Is it going to be private equity, that, those big guys? I don't know. But... Um, gonna be somewhere well um happy friday like happy weekend i hope excellent yes good times (laughs) don't check your 401ks don't look at the exchange rate don't travel don't heat your home okay you know what let's just end it there have a good weekend guys (laughs) this is it for for me and guy we'll see you monday this is bloomberg